We're scotless. Scott is gone. We're, we are scotless today. Uh, we just had, um, I, I think he's just not feeling well. Last weekend we missed. Uh, Scott had an unfortunate housing accident, um, and we weren't able to do the podcast at his place. Um, so uh, we are coming to you this week from a cabin in the woods. It's a cabin in the woods. It, <laughs> I'm afraid that uh, there's somebody outside watching us right now. Yeah, well, there very well could be. We are literally in the middle of nowhere, central Pennsylvania. Um, just kicked the heat on, uh, fired it up. So if you hear the echo, 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 you hear the echo, um, that's because we are literally in a cabin in the woods. Um, no internet here, uh, aside from the um, <clears throat> tiny little bar that I have on my 4G uh, on my phone. We've uh, we've decided to move to our apocalypse mode. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> ahead we figured, of time. <laughs> have you have you seen the memes? Uh, the the um, Joe Biden finally finally won the election, so hell froze over, and that's why we have ice in Texas. <laughs> it's called ISIS. Mm-hmm. But. So, yeah, if you hear the occasional ting, um, again, we are, uh, we're winging it out here. Uh, so this isn't our normal setup. Um, we're just uh, trying to make it work for the podcast. Um, so to start out, since we're in a hunting cabin, um, it's probably uh, fitting uh, that we start out with uh, HR 127. Uh, new bill introduced into the house again I want to preface here that this was introduced into the house there are no co-sponsors for this bill um, it was picked up uh, I don't even know that it's been picked up by the Judiciary Committee it's been introduced into the Judiciary Committee so this is um, this is a very infant bill uh, and I really don't think it's going to go anywhere I don't even think it can stand on its merits if you really want to be completely honest, but uh, I have, I don't know how familiar you are with it, uh, Dave, but uh, I have the, 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 the raw text of the bill in front of me, uh, and I'm looking through it. So essentially what this bill is all about is that they, they really want to license every firearm and even ammunition, um, and you'll have to pass a background check not only to purchase a firearm, but to purchase ammunition. Um, you have to license not only the firearm, uh, but the ammunition. You must register not only the firearm, but the ammunition. Um, and you not only have to do all this, but you also have to tell, um, tell the government where you're going to store uh, the weapon. Um, and they have, I think if I read this correctly, they can, if they get a tip that you're not storing it correctly, they can go in and search and make sure that you're storing it correctly. Yeah, my feeling is is that this is one of those types of bills that uh, will probably, if it does even make it to consideration on any level, that it will go through a serious number of rewrites before yeah. it... Oh, yeah. And it'll be, hopefully, so watered down that it'll be toothless. But here, here's, here's my overall take on this. Um... You read the language of the bill, uh, and it says things <clears throat> says things like, 
whoever knowingly violates this shall be fined not less than $750,000 and not more than $150,000 in prison not less than 15 years and not more than 25 years uh, this, this is to me uh, and that's just for that is the by by the way that's the penalty for loaning someone a firearm that's not uh, registered without them passing a background check so what that means I have um, you, for instance. You're 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 not an avid hunter. You're you're a shooter, but you're not an avid hunter. Let's say I wanted to take you turkey hunting in the spring. Uh, you can get all camoed up and stuff like that. I bring two 12 gauges to the to hunt with. I let you borrow that 12 gauge. Automatically, you're a felon, and I'm a felon just for handing you a weapon mm -hmm. to go hunting for an afternoon. Uh, you're a felon. That That's what it means to me. That would have probably helped uh, Dick Cheney's friend. Yeah. If that had been yeah, the case. Yeah, right. <laughs> maybe. Saved him that uh, that uh, painful experience. Maybe. Um, it bans uh, assault weapons. Just bans them. Military-style weapons. Uh, defined. Let's see. How do you define a military-style weapon? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it here. It says, any of the firearms are copies of duplicates of the firearms in yeah. any caliber known as, and then they yeah. start to go through. Marino, Micho, Polytech, blah, 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 blah. But what I like down here, revolving cylinder shotguns, such as are similar to the Street Sweeper or Striker 12. So basically, uh, 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 <clears throat> uh, pump-action shotgun that has a cylindrical... Mm -hmm. Magazine, um, semi-automatic semi rifle, yeah, yeah, semi-automatic rifle th that has the ability to accept detachable magazine and has at least two of a folding or telescoping stock, uh, a pistol grip. They're not talking about AR-15s, are they? A, tel a telescoping, a telescoping stock, a pistol grip that protrudes beneath the action of the weapon, a bayonet mount. A flash suppressor or threaded barrel designed to accommodate a flash suppressor and or a grenade launcher. <laughs> a semi-automatic pistol that has an ability to accept a detachable magazine and has at least two of. An ammunition magazine that attaches to the pistol outside the pistol grip. A threaded barrel capable of accepting a barrel extender, flash suppressor, forward hand grip, or silencer. A shroud that is attached to or partially or completely encircles the barrel and permits the shooter to hold the firearm with a non-trigger hand without being burned. Manufactured weight of 50 ounces or more when the pistol is unloaded. Semi-automatic version of an automatic firearm and a semi-automatic shotgun that it's at least folding telescope. Same thing. Uh, telescoping stock, pistol grip, fixed magazine. Um, so big. Okay, I can sum this up. Big black scary rifles. Yeah, I mean, if you uh, listen to Representative Lee's description of how scary ARs are, apparently they're ten boxes heavy. Ten is uh, yeah, and then uh, what was it? Uh, capable of shooting fifty caliber rounds. You have an AR that shoots fifty cal. I want that. Buddy. Yeah, I've been looking for one of those. <laughs> I Boy, I want. That's that. Bushmaster's new uh, yeah. new line. Yep, I want that. Um, prohibition penalties this whole thing is just one i don't know how it's going to pass the constitutional test i just don't understand how they're going to get past that 
they although they did they did get past the they they did ban um they did ban assault weapons before with the same definition so it's not impossible that this could happen but this whole thing now here's the thing even if they don't enact this what they're going to do is they're 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 just trying to make if they can't if they can't pass laws that outright ban weapons and take the guns out of your hands then the next thing they're going to do is they're going to make it as difficult as possible for everyday law-abiding gun-owning citizens to own their guns. Right now we're seeing the demonstration of that. Um, ammo is so hard to come by um, that they're that they don't have you don't have to restrict guns. What what good is a gun? If you don't have any ammo for it, it's basically just a fancy hammer. Now, I read this a little bit in passing, but a lot of the uh, <clears throat> a lot of the uh, shortage is just due to the sheer fact that people have just, <laughs> as they normally do in situations like this, they freak out and yep. just start buying on bulk. You know, it's it's uh, ammo's the new toilet paper. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, we've had about what three or four different toilet paper schemes this year, or things that have gone out of supply as a result and i've read i've read articles um about the ammo shortage as well where ammo manufacturers say hey we're running three shifts you know as 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 fast as we can run it we're putting it out as fast as it come out it's just people are panic buying yeah they need to stop it was i was kind of i didn't dig too much into it but i was uh, upon hearing of this i was kind of interested to go back to 94 when clinton passed the assault ban and just to see if there were any distinct similarities between what they did then and there were a lot of similarities so the point of it is is i think they're they're kind of a broken record oh, when yeah. it comes to a lot of this stuff um i think digging further into it and of course i don't have facts right in front of me on this but um you know making that breakdown between uh gun crimes that are committed with an ar-15 versus you know uh, a 38 special that somebody picked up on the black market off of a guy on the we've know. we've gone through those numbers you can get those numbers on the fbi uh, crime statistics web- website we've gone through those numbers on the on the uh podcast before i'd like to revisit those numbers because uh, they do change but if my memory serves me correctly um it was something insane, like uh, 270 murders or something like that uh, in in the span of a year were done by rifles alone. Mm-hmm. Um, it may even have been less than that. My mind wants to say 27, but I don't think that that would be correct, so I'm going to say 270 because uh, that seems higher. It seems more likely, but my mind uh, wants to bring back that it was only 27 actual murders were committed by rifles and that was in a year that had a mass shooting uh normally rifles are used in um mass mass shootings uh robberies and things of those natures um when you're talking about crimes of passion especially done with a firearm it's usually a handgun um that that does uh does the damage uh when it comes to statistically statistically at least when it comes to murders Usually it's a handgun uh, and not a rifle. Um, so the numbers for rifles, especially, what, and, and that's of any caliber. That doesn't, 
Um, that doesn't matter whether it's a, so they don't break it down by assault rifle. It's long rifle. So anything with a 16 inch barrel or more, um, and they even give you shotgun statistics. You really want to talk about something that's not dangerous. Uh, it's a shotgun. Yeah. I mean, typically most people that are going to legally carry a gun are going to try at their best to make sure it's something that's concealable. Sure. In other words, the simple plain on the face truth of it is is that typically people aren't going to be walking around the streets with shotguns strapped to their back unless this is Mad Max. Oh yeah. So, yeah, I always I always say uh, handgun is to defend my person, uh, my AR is to defend to defend my castle. Uh, yeah. there's a you know, when 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 I'm out on out on the streets, I'm not going to be lugging around my AR around my neck. Uh, yeah, I might get uncomfortable in church, uh, you know, <laughs> sitting there, <laughs> AR strapped. And to might your help neck. keep the sermon to a minimum. Though. Yeah, yeah. The, the, <laughs> when the when the preacher starts going going long, you just start rubbing <clears throat> rubbing your AR. <laughs> start start polishing. <laughs> sort of like uh, uh, when the dad came out and found out that you were dating his daughter and came walking out on the steps with the shotgun. You know. Um, we joke about it, but uh, tr- truth be told, guns in churches actually uh, is not a new concept. When you used to, when you would go to church, uh, when this country was founded, uh, when you would go to church, you would take your guns with you because you would usually have to travel uh, somewhat of a distance, and you would take your guns with you to church because you didn't know what you were going to get into on the way to and from church. Mm-hmm. So everybody in church was usually armed. There were no church shootings uh, in the 18th century. No. Like, there just weren't, because if you tried to... Uh, there were a couple of times where people got chained into churches and they burned the church down, but... Um, at the same time, I mean, if you look... I, I remember that movie that uh, Michael Moore put out a couple of years ago with uh, Columbine. You know, I'm not... Not a bad movie. No, it's not. I mean, being who he is and being that he whines about quite a bit... I don't like um, Michael Moore, but that wasn't a bad... No, it wasn't. It actually... I mean, one of the interesting things that actually... Not to get off track here, but one of the interesting things that came out of that movie was looking at how uh, the news uh, the news cycles, the difference between Canada and the U.S. Canada typically is... Uh, one of those places where uh, they focus more on positive outcomes, positive stuff that's in the news, um, which is interesting in regards to um, what we tend to focus on. Now, I don't know in the last couple of years, I mean, we'd have to look at this pretty critically, but um, you know, if you look at the comparison between what nightly news and what national news typically covers, it's all you know, burn your house down in the moment, everybody freak out, it's the end of the world type of news there's no balance in what they report on which if you look at the crime statistics in Canada versus the US there is a huge disparity and I think a lot of it boils down to the people's overall the climate the climate of how people felt things were going kind of like a living up to expectations kind of thing where they they we in the United States see it every day on the news mm-hmm. uh, it becomes normalized and, and you see that too um, there's a good example of that is the riots in Portland. Um, it started in Portland and, and it probably would have stayed in Portland, but because of social media and because of mass news media, um, it, those, those riots and that, that 
that uneasiness and that tension spread across the entire country because um, because of the the mass hysteria um, that we have here in this country. Maybe in other countries it wouldn't have worked out that way. Well, if you even look at it from a social media standpoint, um, you want to talk about echo chambers. Oh, sure. Social media has uh, pretty much attached itself to that specific um, type of environment in, in one yeah. way. Or, I mean, if you think about it, most people will subscribe themselves to constant feeds that feed into a particular belief. They won't kind of spread out to other stuff. And that kind of narrows their reactions, you know, with regards to what's going on. And, you know, that's where this whole fake news thing is kind of blown out of proportion in the last couple of years. So I've always said that the, the, what's dangerous when you start getting these Facebook fact checkers and these Google fact checkers and Twitter fact checkers, it's all well and good. And I, and I get the intent be, behind it. And the, the intent behind it is benevolent and is good. Um, but the problem that you run into is who's fact checking the fact checkers exactly um like who who decides what's fact if it's these fact checkers and they automatically become per diem the go-to person on on uh, what facts are then who is checking them um good point is i saw and and i hate to i hate to deliver news in memes but i saw a good one on facebook the other day where a, a guy posted a, f- a friend of ours um, and it said, Joe Biden won the Medal of Honor. He's won four Nobel Peace Prizes, uh, so on and so forth. Just a whole line of bullcrap. And it says, dot, dot, dot. If you don't see any fact-checking labels behind, be, beneath this, maybe you'll start to question some things. And the, what, it, what it was is it was an example of, here I am feeding you a line of bullcrap. If we would have said anything about the election or we would have said anything political um, that had a conservative, a pro-conservative viewpoint whatsoever, it would have been fact-checked, there would have been a label on it, and it would have been, no, 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 this isn't true. However, it's bullcrap about Joe Biden, so it just slips underneath the radar. Well, it's also, too, looking at the platforms where most of the stuff is filtering through. Yes. I mean, we're going, again, getting off topic a little bit here, but we're we're going back to that whole um, premise is that Twitter and Facebook are essentially private entities and they can do whatever the heck they want really mm-hmm. at this point. Oh, sure. I mean, we've all blindly sl- signed disclaimers, yep. Yep. not to excuse what they're doing by no means, but at the same time, um, we should have expected this at some point. Oh, you knew that the, that the foot was going to drop. Yes. That the other shoe was going to drop at some point. And we very much could... Um, close down our Facebook accounts, uh, shut down our Twitter accounts and just not use them. However, um, you're, you're at that point, you're forfeiting a microphone. Um, and I'm not excusing their, their behavior, but they're essentially saying, okay, you, you can, you can say whatever you want as long as you say what we want. Um, and you can have our public square, but only if you say what we want. And then at that point, then it's not a public square anymore. Yeah, uh, and and that's where you run into your your problem with their section what is it section two thirty protections and mm. and things like that where they're supposed to be a a public square where people show up and here here's my opinions you can say whatever you want Facebook and Twitter are not liable for the rhetoric 
of the people on their platforms. Um, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, you can filter out uh, harassment if somebody is bullying somebody on your platform. Definitely. Get, or if somebody's actually making a legitimate death somebody's threat making or a, something. A that... legitimate threat, a legitimate threat for, of violence against anybody. Um, legit, you know, report that. Um, <clears throat> however, it's kind of turned into um, a, a hammer. Uh, and to the point where now it's trying to find nails. Yeah. Um, it's hammered all the nails and now it's trying to find nails. Well, I think it's going to it's gonna circle back to take uh, Jen Psaki's uh, term. And it's going to circle back and essentially bite everyone in yeah. the ass on this one. Circle because, back Psaki. <laughs> so, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, this is... It, it, up, like you said, up front, it looks like a benevolent action. I mean... To, when you think about a conversation between two parties, let's let's say it's an arbitration uh, between, you know, in a family court between a husband and wife that are separating for whatever case be, you need an arbitrator there. You need somebody that's moderating the conversation so that they stick to the facts because all they're trying to determine in that case is, you know, what goes with who, you know, custody, all that kind of stuff that's important. Yeah. So The fact that you called her a cunt every Friday... <laughs> doesn't yeah it, that's that's irrelevant to whether or not she gets yes. the house yes yeah they're there just to establish legal ownership and you know custody and you know so on and so on but yes um at the same time you know you know there's a purpose that that moderator serves in that isolated incident um but you know to expand that out on a larger scope essentially what you're doing is you're creating the ceiling um, that nobody can go past, you know, and, you know, you're creating this, you know, we're going to hit that ceiling eventually. Yeah. I mean, you could be as far left as you want to be, uh, and that's your right to hold on to those views, but eventually that ceiling is going to, you're going to hit that ceiling yourself at some point. Sure. So, and I've said it, I've said it since, since the, since the nineties, um, when they, when Jerry Springer used to have Nazis and clan members on his exactly. show, um, that you have to, I detest the speech. Don't get me wrong. I I I I am 100% against everything that neo Nazis believe in. I'm 100% against everything that the KKK espouses. But I will defend to my death their right to speak about what they believe in because that's important. It's 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 not important to protect speech that we all agree on because we all agree on. It. We don't have to worry about that. What you have to protect is the speech that you really don't want to hear because that's what makes you think and that's what makes you uh, contemplate. And, and what's good about that is when you hear that kind of speech that the hair on the back of your neck stands up and it, and it kind of gives you goosebumps and it makes you feel uneasy, it's good to be exposed to that because then you know how you feel about these things and you can call that person an asshole and a racist and you can call them whatever you want that's your right on the other side of that free speech issue they can say whatever you want and you have the right to call them a fucking asshole and a fucking idiot for having those beliefs yeah uh 1971 uh and a lot of people kind of gloss over this but in 1971 the american civil liberties union of illinois actually defended the kkk's ability to hold a march or a rally of some sort. Yep. Um, and one would sit there and wonder why in the earth the ACLU, which historically, at least for the last, I'd say, what, 40, 50 years has been 
most people have kind of looked at them as being a fringe group in some ways sure. in terms of what they go after. Mm-hmm. But the in the grand scheme of things, when you look at it uh, critically, um, what they were doing is they were defending essentially the right of those that tend to lean left to be able to say what they were saying. Because if you go back even further, like 10 years from there, even further back, maybe 20 years, you had that whole communist era mm-hmm. where, you know, McCarthyism. yeah, which was just as bad, if not worse, yep. because essentially if you had any socialistic views or anything that kind of, you know, what they would explain themselves to be today are democratic socialists, not yes. socialists, straight out socialists, but democratic socialists, yep. which would be who what Bernie Sanders kind of. OK, so falls you into. vote for socialism. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So but nonetheless, you know, they were McCarthyism was basically pushing these people into this uh, this hole where they couldn't say anything, they couldn't believe, they were in fear of being arrested. You know, it was a question that came up in Senate hearing trials constantly. You know, within that year. But you know, again, you have to you have to defend the worst of us in order to defend the best of us. That's right. And that's that's really the underlying Absolutely. theme. Absolutely. And you know, there's a really um, scary parallel between McCarthyism and what's going on now. Um, we're almost in a anti-McCarthyism where if you're not a socialist, if you're not a communist, if you're not an, on the left, if you're not a progressive, if you're not a Democrat, then you're the enemy. It's the seesaw effect. Yeah. We're going back to that. You know, yep. we, we did it to them for that many years, so yep. now they're doing it to us yep. for this the, many the pendulum, years. The pendulum swung, and but, it swung hard. Yep. And now we're just, we're, and that's why it's always important. This is a good lesson to learn. Um, this is a good point to make uh, before we go into a break here. Um, always be conscious of the effect of what you're doing on the people you disagree with. Because someday you may be sitting in the minority um, and you have to deal with what the major- majority does. So always be conscious when you're in the majority, always be conscious of the minority because someday you may not be the majority. Yeah, it's always important to fight for the underdog, even if you don't see eye to eye with them. That's right. I always quote Voltaire uh, from the 17th century. He used to say, in a in a roundabout way, he basically paraphrase. said paraphrase because everybody takes it out of context. But sure. he basically said that I may not agree with what you say but I will fight for your right to believe it. Yeah, that's right. Um, because you have to remember he was coming up through the Renaissance era when, you know, the, the church at Ideas that time established, you know, what was acceptable and what was not, which is essentially what, what is happening now, only it's not religious, yes. it's secular that's establishing those ideals. We'll, we'll talk about that. Let's take a break. When, I, when we come back, I want to talk about, is, is it religious? This, I think this new, this new progressivism... Checks all the boxes of religion if you really think about it. Um, but we'll talk about that when we come back. Um, just a minute. Uh, we're going to take a break here, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about um, how the the left and the progressivism is almost like uh, it's it's uh, the, theocrat, theocratic uh, in a way. Um, when we come back. <music> And we're back. Uh, so before the break, we were talking a little bit about um, just in general uh, how the the the, the left, um, how McCarthyism has kind of swung the other way. 
Um, and that led into um, a, a talk about how the left kind of their belief structure sort of mimics um, a, a religion. So what I did during the break is I pulled up um, a, a little article here that basically has the, the eight tenets of what makes uh, a religion. Um, so you start off with a belief system. Obviously, the left has a belief system. They believe uh, the United States and Western culture is evil, um, that it propagated um, white supremacy and slavery uh, throughout the world, um, and that it's systemically racist and people need uh, equality, equity and equality and all this other stuff. That's a belief system. So they have that. Um, the second thing that you need to have is a community, a place where beliefs are shared and practiced. Social media. They have a community. They have their area where that religion is practiced and that's the area where that stuff is accepted central myths and narratives uh, a way of expressing belief usually a form of text can be orally transmitted um, twitter you have little um, proverbs if you, if you will 140 character proverbs uh, that you can that you can spit out into your community of people. Um, the next tenet is ritual. When beliefs are reenacted and made real through ceremonies, baptism, confirmation, uh, and communion. So you have um, that. That's a little bit more difficult. But you protests. You have your ritual. Your ritual protests. You have your your hashtags that you have to be part of. Um, you have uh, your confessions on Twitter. You know, you always have the the um, like when all of the all of the celebrities sang Imagine together um, on Twitter. Tell me that wasn't a, a religious ritual there. They were they were uh, what's the word for it? Virtue signaling. Mm -hmm. um, so that there you go. Uh, a system a system of ethics. And that that's obviously tied into your beliefs. They have a, a, a system of ethics. It may be questionable, but they have a system there. Uh, think about it though. It's okay to it's okay to bend those ethics if someone doesn't subscribe to that religion. Your your what what you're talking about here. Your your community, uh, characteristic emotional experiences, encounters with the spirit. That promote mystery, awe, devotion, and con and conversion. So, this I would characterize as uh, AOC uh, reaching out to her followers. She ha they have an interaction with the the quote unquote the prophets, and they talk to the heads of the religion, and they have their interactions with. That one might be a little bit of a stretch, but. Um, Material expressions, physical elements of expression, music, art, architecture. That's pretty self-explanatory. Their, their, their culture, their community is in pretty much all of pop culture right now. Woke movies, um, people getting canceled from Hollywood for tweets, 
um, things like that. And that's where it leads into sacredness. Uh, differences between the saved and the ordinary. Distinctiveness in dress, language, music, etc. Um, just uh, an overall, you know, we are this way and anyone else is a blasphemer or a denier. Yeah. Um, so those are your tenets. I mean, you, you judge for yourself, but it sounds to me like um, the way that the left prescribes to the wokeness and the cancel culture, it's become more of a religion um, than um, some religions. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to play devil's advocate for here for a second, but uh, if you look at the uh, what they would refer to as the far right, right, right wing or conservatism when, it, when it's at its its epic threshold, I guess you would say, or its ceiling, um, you know, it's, it's pretty much the same. Sure. You, you know, it, it, this is not an application of litmus that just goes one way. No. This, this applies to many different spectrums. I think one of the things that I don't know why this popped up in my head as you were talking there and going over some of these points, but I was thinking back to the book that Hillary Clinton wrote quite a few years ago called it takes a village to raise, raise a child. Oh. which basically speaks to the idea is that uh, a child cannot be raised without the involvement of a village, but it goes a little further than that to incorporate these ideals that it, it absolutely, a child could never be raised without an overall community when in reality uh, the understanding is is that a family is a unit, not mm-hmm. a, not a, not a township, not mm-hmm. a, not a, not a, uh, a city, not a, uh, a larger and see what what happens there is it sounds good on the surface sure it sounds really good on the surface but imagine me saying to you it's like okay now your community is uh the entire county of lycoming and they're going to have an input on how you raise your child yeah so it what happens is that it starts with very good benevolent um underpinnings but then it stretches out to grasp onto things that pretty much are an offense to the idea of freedom of individual rights so the road to hell is paved with good exactly exactly so so, so to speak and you are absolutely correct um there's no difference between someone on the far left um for instance uh, somebody in antifa um who believes wholeheartedly uh, sacredly almost in, in what they believe in and somebody who's in the the KKK or a neo-Nazi um, who uh, espouses the exact opposite beliefs, but holds them holds them to their heart as close as they would hold um, a religious belief or a, 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 there's a sanctity to it uh, to them. And it's always good to hold your politics a little bit further, um, you know, away from your heart. Um, one thing to uh, like for me what it's not really politics for me but for me when i start to get angry and involved is when they start attacking uh the core of the country like when they start saying that the constitution is racist and that the that the declaration of independence is is racist those are two of the most anti-slavery documents uh ever written uh, Frederick Douglass, I think, said that himself, that the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution are two of the greatest abolishment uh, documents ever written. Because while the men who wrote them were flawed, uh, the intent was there. 
and they laid the seeds and started brick by brick laying the foundation for what would come later, um, which would be when the country kind of got to where it is now. Um, unfortunately, I feel like we're at one of those tectonic uh, places in, in the country, like we were circa 1860, where um, you know people were tired of it. They, you know, slavery was done. The economy was was do, going great um, in the South, not so good in the North, um, and I, I just I feel like we're at the the where the where the edges are starting to rub against each other, and we're we're kind of in that tense area again because we there's a we're at a point where we disagree on fundamental principles about the country. And some people thought that they had a right to own slaves, and some people thought, no, they're, they're human beings. The Declaration of Independence says all men are created equal. Um, the Constitution says that they're uh, protected. We need to um, we need to write the check, cash the check for that that we wrote um, f for that promise, and then we ended slavery. And unfortunately, it didn't end there, and we had Jim Crow and. And things like that, where they're the, and I'm not saying any of that was was right. We needed to tear down those walls. What I'm getting at is, those walls have to be torn down, at the right time when it's not going to fract fracture the country. Um, we 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 couldn't survive a civil war today. I don't think. No, I mean a, a couple of things I was listening to recently. Uh, Dave Rubin in the Rubin Report actually um, had a couple of history professors on in a couple different segments, and they were highlighting uh, a couple of presidents in particular. One was John Adams, one was Washington, one was Thomas Jefferson. But one of the things, uh, if you look at the lives of these guys, whether you believe them to be flawed or um, absolutely or, we all are or god figures as some people regard them as which you should never no. regard anybody nope. in, that, in that way the one thing that you'll notice is that they were so close to the fire that there was only one direction that they could go and if you think about it in that context think about it in regards to your grandparents having a conversation with you which is third generation or second generation regarding something they experienced in their lifetime that you have kind of a light understanding of what it was like, let's say the Depression or something. Sure. I had grandparents that lived through the Depression era. To understand poverty from their standpoint is a lot different than me understanding that I'm taking a cut in my pay that's not going to yes. let me pay for Netflix this year or yeah. something. That's a whole different ballgame. And so I think what's happening is that um, – if you look at it, you know, we've gotten, we are so far removed from the original emotion and the original feelings and the original consequence of what they were coming out of in England is that we've completely forgotten what they fought for. Now, granted that there was a lot of stuff that got wrapped up into policy sure. that were overflowing, but I'll give you a, for instance, Thomas Jefferson who, yes, he owned slaves. There were 600 slaves that he owned. He even had a close relationship um, uh, with one who he fathered eight children, I believe, off of. Um, there is nothing excusing his activities during those years in light of what he was promoting in terms of freedom. However, at that time, um, one of the things that they did when they were doing the Louisiana Purchase, uh, which I believe 
was that the one that stretched down from the Appalachians down yep. through Texas? All the way down through Texas. They went when they were in the midst, and this is something um, you can fact check me on this, but when they were trying to get this approved, this purchase approved, Jefferson was pushing forward that uh, slavery not be allowed in any of the new states that are established through that purchase. Absolutely. Lost by one vote. Yep. One vote. So slavery, the, 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 the standards that we established through uh, abolition and through uh, the 13th Amendment, um, those standards that we established and those lines that we drew in the sand with those bills could have been established a far, you know, further back even than the Civil War. Yeah. Uh, which Thomas, means we would have been a lot further along. Thomas Jefferson would have been Abraham Lincoln. In a, in a sense, yeah. Because the same, that's, what, that's what happened with um, Abraham Lincoln, is when we expanded out west, it was to be that no slavery in the western territories. No slavery out in California, no slavery out in Washington, and all that other stuff. And the um, southern states were like, no, 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 no. We, you know, we want to keep our slaves. And he said, well, eventually Abraham Lincoln said, oh, well, it's not good enough that we just not do it in the western states. We're not going to do it anywhere. And the southern states said no. And then that's when West Virginia broke off. Um, and uh, because they, I believe West Virginia left Virginia because they wanted to join the Union. They didn't believe in slavery. I'll have to check my history on that but i think and it would make sense that west virginia left virginia because virginia stayed with the confederacy west virginia joined the union um but at any rate i'm not um, read up enough to contradict you or yeah, not at this point but yeah, um yeah I, I believe that's the way it went uh, fact check me as always um i'm, I'm always willing to be wrong but my, my eighth grade education in, in the civil war <laughs> um, I, I remember, I remember distinctly, I, I, at least I think I do, that that's how it went down anyway, that they, that they were going to expand slavery into the Western states. Um, they decided not to expand it into the Western states. Maybe it was because Jefferson's proposal failed that Lincoln decided to go, okay, um, since we didn't want to do that, um, we're not going to do it anywhere. Maybe that's how it went down, but at any rate, that was a direct re the direct result of what you're talking about um, was the Civil War eventually. Yeah. And the thing so that, Jefferson could have been Lincoln. Yeah, and the thing to think remember is that you know Lincoln was president in the '60s. He was in he was running for 18 1860s, <laughs> not the 1960s. Um, but he uh, you know he would have been growing up when you know probably on the tail end of Jefferson still being around. Oh sure. Um, so you have to remember is that the people that we regard almost in a mythical quality at this point, because you're talking about, what, 250 plus years now. I mean, at a certain point, certain figures in history take on mythical qualities that, yep. you know, you, you read about Homer in the Odyssey and you read some of the, the grand morals that are in that story. But that's all it is to you. It's a moral. It doesn't really have any basis in, yeah. you know, factual circumstance or happening or whatever the case be. But what Lincoln was seeing from a lot of these guys was probably driving a lot of the thought, uh, aside from personal conviction that he had, you know, you know, with you know, whether it be religious conviction or whether it be just uh, moral conviction or ethical conviction that was driving his decisions to do what he did. Um, you have to remember that this was a process. There was a time when, in my understanding of it, was that it was illegal for you to 
free your slaves. Yeah, you there, couldn't just. You a lot of people just... don't realize that it was it was not so much just saying, "Hey, you're free now." Essentially, what you would be doing to the people that quote unquote you owned, you would be putting them into a worse situation. Not that again, this is not an excuse of anything that happened, but no. if no, you no, look no. at it from the context of you know why. There, there, it was complicated. That's the best yes. I can put it. It yeah. was complicated. Um, there, there's no amount of, of excuses or analogies or um, discourse that could ever uh, make what happened during those hundred and some odd years of any less effect than they were. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that there were, there were, they were fighting for something that they were fighting uphill on. This was a huge uphill battle, and not for anything, and not to point fingers here. But let's remember is that most of the South, South Carolina being the most adamant, the most adamant of the, of the, the slave states, uh, was strictly a Democratic state. Mm -hmm. Very much. The, the Democratic Party of that time was the party, yep. which, and they were the elitist. Uh, they were Sounds the familiar. ones fighting for slavery because it was the underpinnings of their economy. Absolutely. When you don't have to pay somebody equal wages uh, for equal work, then of course that's going to damage an economy. Um, you know, if you take your labor force out of that mix, you know. Oh, so, man, could you imagine what an iPhone would cost if if, <laughs> yeah. if they had to pay? Uh, pay those people over in China what their what their oh equal wages for what they're actually doing. Nobody would buy them because you yeah. couldn't afford them unless you, you took out a loan. Your Nikes are already expensive. Could you imagine what they would cost if they were made in America? Exactly. And that's the point: is that uh, we stand on these 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 thrones, or we stand on our thrones of you know what we're doing here in the U.S. is absolutely atrocious and everything. But then we turn around and we look at our big agencies like Apple and uh, you know, Apple's the first one that comes to mind. Of course, I know there's others, you know, that we've come across. But we know what people are treated like in these countries. We know that they're being paid substandard wages. Half of these people live in the actual places where they work yep. because they can't afford it. It's, it's basically that sky mall. <laughs> you know, it's like watching an episode of Sliders when, you yep. know, everybody worked for sky mall. And, you know, you could never get out of debt because you had to buy everything from sky mall. Yep. So, it was just that aka amazon aka slavery yep. it's it's modern day slavery just under a different guise yep. it's a painted pig is what it is and they're they're finally coming coming to uh terms with the the Uyghurs in um we never did get a get a 100 on how you pronounce that I, i'm going with Uyghurs. the Uyghur muslims in china some people say Uyghur, some people say Uyghur, Weiger. Uh, so Uyghurs, I think, was the Uyghur, whatever it is, the, the Muslims in China, um, and I'm not trying to make light of it, but um, they're finally catching on to that. We we've, we've been talking about that for a year now, uh, trying to bring light to the fact that uh, you know I'll put it to you this way: there was a there's an old book that was written a long time ago that had a guy in it, and in that book the guy said, "Don't point out the splinter in your brother's eye while ignoring the plank in your own eye." And that's exactly what's going on right now. If more people read that damn book. Um, but the, the point of that, that parable is you can't, you can't one, the, what I take about, out of that in this particular situation is you can't judge 
somebody back then by today's standards because we wouldn't have today's standards if they didn't lay the foundation for what we have today. So that's the first one. But the second one is, is you can't, the people that, that are, that want to tear down statues of George Washington and Abraham Lincoln and all these great men that did great things for, for everybody in this country. But those people stand there in their Nike Air Jordans, their Abercrombie shirts, their, with their texting on their iPhones, uh, with their Beats headphones on, all blatantly ignoring the slave labor that went into all of those products mm-hmm. and sit there in their self-sanctimonious, self-righteous virtue, tearing down statues of men that worked to abolish slavery um, in either directly or indirectly and they don't look at what they're participating in nowadays it's okay for us because it's so far away we don't we don't see it it's not right in our backyard where we can go to a plantation and see unfortunately not to put an image in your head but uh, watch slaves picking cotton we can't go to that plantation because it's so far away but it exists that plantation is there. They may not be picking. Well, yeah, some of them are picking cotton, ironically, um, in for for the for the clothing factories and things like that. But we're ignoring it. Yeah, and it's the same thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, we 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 have a tendency to. What's the? Um, there was a statistic or a uh, fact that was born out of the whole uh, voting climate that we were seeing over the last couple of years to where uh, generally people would not vote because they felt like um, they wouldn't have an effect on something. That their uh, vote essentially didn't matter. Yeah. It, was, it didn't affect, affect the overall outcome. Um, but growing even out of that with, with regards to COVID-19, um, you know, there, the thing that they were pointing at with regards to why a lot of people weren't taking it serious um, was because they people believe because there's six seven billion people in the world chances of it hitting me are one in a seven billion yeah. you know it's that it's that you know it could never happen to me it's yeah. the you know i would never hit the lottery i would never you know ignorant anonymity exactly so at that same time you apply that same that same overlay to what was going on in the southern states and now today, I mean, sex trafficking, sex trafficking is something mm. very few people want to touch on. Uh, I know people personally, personally, that worked with organizations getting girls out of those situations into protective custody uh, to where they're out of, out of sight, out of mind now, trying to rehab them from this mentality that that's all you're good for is being passed around like... You know, and these of, are these are very real people. These are people these that are very real situations. These are situations that are happening in our own county. These yes. are situations that are happening in every part of the U.S. in the world, probably more so because there's actually an active uh, there's an active base of both private sector and public sector that are really fighting to find and identify these these cells, these groups that 
you know, trade girls around or, and it's not just girls, it's, it's young boys. It's, oh, sure. it's even adults. I mean, yep. there's no age cap on what's nope. happening in this industry, but yet that's slavery. Absolutely. I mean, that, that is the most modern day form of slavery outside of what you see in some of the, 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 the sweatshops that you'll go to in different parts of the world. Oh, you know? sure. So, I yeah. mean, it's, you know, it's one of these things where, like you were saying, we tend to uh, only focus on the stuff that hits us here, like here within our circle. Yep. So there's there's a need for people kind of to stretch out of that because otherwise you're only ever going to be impactful in your life with regards to things that affect you and not on the large. The yes. whole point of voting is to be able to have a voice on these grander scales to where you can affect things that are important on a grand scale and not just a minute scale. That's why voting is such a right. You know, yeah. so many people that come to this country emigrating, uh, immigrating legally coming into this country understand the value of a vote. Whereas the people that have lived in this country all their lives, third, fourth, fifth generation, have no clue what they're doing when they step up to a ballot. Um, a term... I can't remember where I heard it, but voluntary, what's the word, subjugation? Mm. Voluntary subjugation. And essentially what, what the person was talking about when they said this term um, was you're, we have a lot of this in the United States too. You don't pay attention to politics because you don't think that it involves you or that you're not going to have enough of a say or you're not going to have enough of an effect. So you just kind of live in a world where people control your life. And which is one reason why I got involved so heavily in politics. We're going to have to take a break. I just looked at the clock. But which is when we come back, we'll talk more about this. But that's why I got involved so much in politics is because I was tired of living in someone else's world. You, you can sit back and you can talk about what's wrong in the world, but unless you pay attention, learn, and, and get involved, then you really can't, um, then you really can't really make any, any kind of difference. But we'll talk about that more when we come back. We'll take a little bit of a break here. More on Between the Lines. And we're back. We are back. So um, before the break, we were talking a little bit about um, how I got into politics, and really, it's not a, it's not a story about oh, look at me, look at me, um, but it's more of, um, really, if you're if you're just existing and you're just going about your everyday life and you're not aware of what's going on around you, then you are you're a peasant and you're not uh, you're not a citizen. You're a peasant. Because you're you're beholden to whatever the political classes, um, you know, uh, subject subject you to. Um, so you're beholden to them. Um, so the reason I got into politics is because I felt like I was not in control of my life or my country. And one way that I felt like I could get more in control is by paying attention to what bills were being introduced um, and follow them through the process who's sponsoring them, and then you can vote in, vote out um, the people based on how they're voting for certain bills. Um, so I don't vote by, 
I do tend to vote by party, but not, I don't vote because there's a little R next to their name, but it just so happens to be that the conservative parties tend to align with um, the way I think things should happen. Um, good good resource uh, to find things like that. You, you found a website. Um, yeah, Governor, uh, hold on one second here, just so I can quote it right. It's www.govtrack.com dot us govtrack.us so govtrack.us um, and that basically just tracks really any bills coming out of the house uh coming out of the senate tracks them through committee uh so on and so forth yeah it gives you a rundown as to actually uh, there's some interesting information it throws in there as to you know its potential for being approved and who's sponsoring it who how many people co-sponsored it blah 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 so and yeah and just anecdotal uh you said hr 127 that we talked about earlier has a five percent chance it was of something passage. like three to five percent chance of passing yeah. through the house so i'm not real scared uh although it is it's alarming that they that it even got introduced but uh nonetheless um so yeah another another good one is uh the one that i use is called vote spotter um and it's uh it's an app for Android, and what it does is it shows you how your individual, um, how your individual representatives vote on particular issues, and you can even email them through the app regarding a certain bill or a certain vote. So, uh, let's say you're in the app and you see that they voted yay uh, on something silly uh, that you didn't like. You can hit the little email button, and you can write them a little email saying, "Hey." I see what you did there. Do they have a dumbass button? <laughs> That'd be really nice if they did. Um, and you could also see how the community thought uh, as well. Um, so uh, it, once you, it, it asks you how you would vote on any particular issue, and then it gives you um, a, a kind of a feedback on whether you align with um, the general public uh, on on that particular issue as well, which yeah. I think is cool. I think this is particularly important that uh, people just become involved because I think the general overall climate, even if you do vote, is usually a person's affiliation with law enforcement from having been arrested over a DUI. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, saying that you have a criminal law background because you spent 60 <laughs> days in jail over a DUI is a little different than somebody who actually studied criminal law and went into that field so um, that's uh, to your point it's absolutely critical that voters be involved I mean not to the point to where it discounts everything else in your life yeah. because that can be even equally uh, uh, traumatic I guess yeah. you would say sure to sure lifestyle. but but definitely be aware um, and 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 because don't be ignorant to what's going on in, in your political especially local um, if you if you really if you don't want to be overwhelmed with federal politics and 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 having to watch CNN and MSNBC and Fox News and Newsmax and own and all these other different places just to sift through all the garbage to get the to get the truth focus on local uh, you know focus on what's going on in your local community and 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 make differences there that that's the easiest path you can take um, to 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 make a difference um, in in your area, uh, which actually segments well uh, or segues well uh, into what Dave wanted to talk about, which is the disaster slash catastrophe slash clusterfuck in Texas. <laughs> oh. 
They do everything big in Texas. Yeah, you're gonna. Yeah, that's right. Everything's bigger deep in, Texas. in the heart of Texas. Yeah, everything's but, bigger in Texas. Um, I was just I was thinking about that article you put pulled up with the letter from the mayor. Do you remember what city uh, he was the mayor of? Uh, Tim Boyd. I don't, but man. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> man, a uh, little harsh. But was he wrong? There's this thing in communication when you're taking speech classes when you <laughs> when you learn when to what they call genuflect or not genuflect, but when you learn to gesture, uh, when you learn you learn timing. There's an important element to timing, and this is one of these things that I don't think he went to school. He might for. as well have wrote that old thing in all caps. Yeah, it <laughs> might as well. It's sort of like getting an email from your mad grandparent or something. Yep. You know, they're they're trying to reach out to you about an email they got from Amazon <laughs> or something about canceling their account, but they decided to keep the caps locks on <laughs> the whole time. Oh man, but this guy just he went off. Maybe I'll read it. Um, I think I have a screenshot of it because. It was just so wild. Yep, there it is. So, <laughs> preface. This is harsh. Tri- you know, trigger warnings to all of you. Brillo pads are harsh. This yeah. was uh, yeah. This so, was proctology level. Let me hurt some feelings while I have a minute. He starts out. Uh, no one owes you or your family anything, nor is the local government's responsibility to support you during trying times like this. Sink or swim, it's your choice. The city and county, along with power providers or any other service, owes you nothing. All caps. I am sick and tired of people looking for a damn handout. If you don't have electricity, you step up and come up with a game plan to keep your family warm and safe. If you have no water, you deal without and think outside the box to survive and supply water to your family. If you're sitting at home in the cold because you have no power and are sitting there waiting for someone to come rescue you because you're lazy is a direct result of your raising. Only the strong will survive and the weak will perish. Folks, God has given us the tools to support ourselves in times like this. This is sadly a product of a socialist government where they feed people to believe that the few, all caps, (laughs) will work and others will become dependent for handouts. Am I sorry that you have been dealing without electricity and water? Yes, but I'll be damned if I'm going to provide for anyone that is capable of doing it themselves. We have lost sight of those in need and those that take advantage of the system and and mesh them into one group. Bottom line, quit crying and looking for a handout. Get, Get off your ass and take care of your own family. Bottom line, don't be a part of a problem. Be part of the solution. So, wow. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Wow was my first uh, comment. Wow, wow. Like, wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. This is a, this is a five wow. This yeah, is, this is, this is a is wow, that wow, 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 wow. That should wow. be our new rating scheme. How many wows does that yeah, that's get? That's a five wow. That's a five wow. Five and a half even, maybe. But yeah. I was thinking about this, and, you know, this guy would have an excellent career if they ever had a new Preppers TV show. <laughs> he could be the host and narrator of such a thing and just yeah. get him, you know, it's like, take care of yourself. Get your gun. You go out. Be safe. You know. You know the stuff. You know with electricity yeah, and junk. You know the thing. The thing. But um, you know, looking at this critically, looking yeah. at this critically. You know, barring the time in which this was done. If if this if this letter, if this speech or whatever it is, uh, was uh, done in a different context. 
let's say 90 days after the the yes the or, emergency's or over 90 days before even because yeah. there's there's no point at which in the recent history that this couldn't apply to us mm -hmm. because I'll, I'll agree that in general people have become uh, and I speak of myself in this instance have become overly dependent on the consistency of public services and local government absolutely and uh, I think to to that point, he's right on. Oh, yeah. I think, however, given the light that there are people reading this on the off of the battery that's no longer going to be charged for the next seven days <laughs> because there is no power going to the house, I think in that context, this might have gone a little over the edge. A little tone deaf. And I'm saying that facetiously, but... <laughs> little tone deaf. Little tone deaf. Little tone deaf. I can't disagree with that, but he's not wrong. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say he's not wrong. He picked the wrong time to make the point. And it was a little tone deaf. Um, people have said that he doesn't care about the elderly and that he was hoping that people would die. I didn't get that from that message. Um, he did say in there that there are people in need. And what we've done is, is we've, grouped, we've grouped people that are truly in need and people that like to take advantage of the system. We've, we've grouped them together. Is what he was saying, and I can't disagree with that. I just think it was not the, <laughs> not exactly the the right time to bring it up. Do it now. So he's no longer mayor. Yes, he's resigned. Um, I don't know if that was the right choice either, but um, well, you know, we are where we are. Did you ever have that job that you really hated? Yeah, I don't. And think then you always like fantasize about what you're going to do on the last day. It's like, yep. well, I'm going to go in and I'm going to take a shit on the boss's desk. <laughs> I'm going to put the air out of his tires. Well, he did all of that, he checked did. all of the boxes. He and did. He, he, checked, left. he checked all the boxes. That was, if there ever was a mic drop. There, yeah. There. <laughs> yeah. He certainly, he certainly needed to drop the mic, but truth be told, he's not, he's not exaggerating there, but, but um, there are a lot of people that, this is a 30-year event. This is something that, that happens every 30 years, every 40 years. Texas doesn't get snow. So this isn't, a, this isn't necessarily a situation that people prepared for. No. People prepare in Texas. They prepare for floods. They prepare for um, you know, tornadoes. They don't prepare for freezing cold. Yes. That's, what's, that's the problem. Is they're not they're not used to this. Well, if you look at Pennsylvania, I mean, there's there's a lot there's so much meshed up into this at this point. You know, it's like now, you know, you've got you've got everybody and their brother that you know is on this Green Deal um, bandwagon that you know this kind of proves the point that we need more of it. When in reality, all this proved is that these are fault these are systems that could essentially go down when in need. Now yeah. here's here's the caveat to that. We live in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania has a huge proportion of wind-powered uh, uh, systems sure. in our state. However, we did an interesting thing. It was called winterizing. Yeah. It was making sure that those turbines would still work effectively in conditions that we're so familiar with, Sub -zero. like snow yeah. and sub-zero sub -zero temperatures. So. Yeah. On that point, a little bit of preparation on their part yeah. would have probably avoided a lot of this. And I think back to Katrina yeah. when 
They knew that that levy was going to break. For they years. Had, for Decades. years. Investigators, auditors, whatever you want to call them, went through that place with a fine-tooth comb. And they knew that that thing was going to collapse they said, oh, eventually. all it's going to take is one hurricane. Yep. And... What's, you know, but, you know, instead we decided to spend the money on the local Mardi Gras. You yep. know, and everybody, you know, washed away as a result of, you know, not putting the money into Hope the levy. you enjoyed your beads. Exactly. <laughs> Hopefully they float. As the beads float by. And, How ironic. <laughs> as the beads float oh my by gosh. that would have been a sight they should yeah. have taken those pictures for time magazine yeah. so but yeah you're 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 not wrong um so this another thing is uh 42% of texas's power comes from wind so all of the wind turbines froze up so i'm not going to try to make that as a not all generated by congress yeah <laughs> i'm not going to try to try to blame green energy for this no. because it's not it's not that that's not the situation we have green energy in, in yes. pennsylvania like you said it's fine they just weren't prepared for this um so to say that the green new deal uh would have would have saved this situation is bullshit and to say that the green new deal would have made this situation worse I believe is also bullshit. Yeah. I think that there's a there's a there's a good amount of bullshit to stir in uh, from both sides here. Um, the 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 fact of the matter is is they you need to be prepared for a forty year event, whether it's a forty year event or not. Yes. Um, something I was thinking about too, in light of all this, Warren Buffett, uh, who everybody knows, he's a big uh, my investor. Favorite investor. Oh yes. Uh, you hear from him every so often, but something interesting that he pointed out in a, in a conference or a TED Talk that he did quite a while ago uh, was with regards to how much money he lost in the renewable energy sector. Uh, one of the things that he highlighted is that the one thing that he, the one misstep that he made in all of this is that he didn't make an investment in transitional energies, which would have that case, at that time, it was natural gas that was starting to sure. come onto the scene. Well, then we soon discover not too long after that, that about 51 of the 51 states or the 50 states. Sorry, yeah. I just said 51. I'm not including Puerto Washington Rico's, or Puerto yeah, Rico yeah, yet. Not, not yet. Not, not yet. yet. I'm Could not, be. I'm not breaking be. news here, so please don't take me. <laughs> to, um, but no, of the 50 states, they discovered, at least at that point when I remembered, that there were 49 states that had confirmed deposits of natural gas. So the information that was coming out of all that is that we have transitional means. We have a means by which to get out of the whole OPEC, sure. uh, you know, oligarchy or whatever yeah. you want to call them. Absolutely. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with solar. There's nothing wrong with wind. There's nothing wrong with geothermal. Iceland could blow up tomorrow because that's what they subsist off of. Geothermal. Yeah. Geothermal energy. But the point is, is that they weren't prepared. They, 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 they didn't look at historical. Uh, happenstances and they didn't take that into account with regards to their system and that was the result of it uh, this is neither uh, this is neither a uh, a put down of solar and this is not a put down of natural gas yeah and I don't I really don't think this is a um, I don't think this is a um, partisan issue either no, I don't think it is because not. because this is this is local governments and and private companies that have failed to put safeguards in issue in in, in place. Exactly. I'm not. Another argument I'm hearing is, oh, because the the power grids in Texas are privatized, they cut corners and so on and so forth. Yeah, that that could be that could be true, but just because 
a private company cuts corners and things like that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't regulate, um, that you can't say you have private companies that um, that run mechanics and things like that, but you still have OSHA that says that your lifts and stuff have to be maintained and so on and so forth. So don't you have OSHA regulations in Texas or whatever? Not OSHA, but aren't there some sort of federal regulations that would require that you have a backup power or something along those lines, even if you are a private entity? Well, I'm just thinking also from the standpoint, thinking of Pennsylvania, uh, we went to a deregulated status many years ago and wonder what that has to do with the situation. Well, it gave consumers, hey, we're a capitalists, choice. a choice. A choice. Which means that if you have companies that are being audited uh, from the standpoint of what services do you offer? How do they stand up? How are they backed up? How are they, you know, it's like uh, you and I are in IT. You mm -hmm. know, if we talk to somebody about this system that we're going to set up for somebody, we need to back in that with this is how it's backed up. This is how we're going to support it. This is what we expect if something happens. You know, people can make informed decisions based off of facts. Yep. And so what happens is that even if it's privatized, yes, there should be standards, but at the same time, the consumers keep them to their feet that's right. to the fire that's right. because that's the whole idea behind it is that you're able to keep the people that provide you services, i.e. the government too, yep. included in that statement, uh, held, their feet held to that fire of standards. Now, I think, in, in my opinion, and this is just my humble opinion, but I think that more private privatization in Texas would have saved this situation because now what will happen is is if you can get two or three other options, the companies that currently caused the situation, people can say, all right, well, look, you fucked up. I'm going with option B. Um, and then if option B fucks up, I'm going with option C. And then either option A and option B are going to have to get their shit together or option C is going to become option A. Or I'm going to have option Z, which is me yeah. building my own solar panel, yeah. panel array in my, back, yeah, in my backyard. Yeah. yeah. I thought about uh, the wind blows so much up on the hill where we live. Um, it's just constant wind, constant, constant, constant. So I thought about looking into it's not a bad idea. putting a wind turbine up there. We uh, The Pennsylvania up until about 2000... I want to say like 2014, 15 was considered part of the Sunshine Initiative. Yeah. To where you would get rebates, tax rebates back if you invested in like a home system of sure. some sort. Solar so, or wind. Exactly. So solar wouldn't be so bad either because um, our roof is exposed to sun. The way that the way that the 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 trees are cut, it's exposed to sun almost all day until the sun eeks right down over the horizon That's it's perfect. from the time it comes up to the time it goes down the whole sun the whole roof is exposed the entire time so that'd be great for solar um it probably would exposure is great <laughs> except when you're out in public but you know. yeah and um another thing that i've read into and learned a little bit about is you can put in battery systems and two-way two-way meters so essentially what happens is is you store you store enough power for your house and then once it gets to a certain rate, 
then it flips the meter flips the other way and you start selling electricity to to the to the power company yeah there's a lot of people that uh, don't pay electric bills yeah just net zero i mean they stay there are some people that literally go off the grid but there are some people that stay on the grid and they literally pay off the taxes for their estate or their their property off of the generating extra off that yeah and then that goes in again that goes into a privatized um power grid because our power grid is deregulated in pennsylvania so that's what makes that possible because the power grid is deregulated you can sell your power back to the power company and what essentially that does is they just reroute that power to your local neighbors um, and things like that so that they don't have to deliver the power that far you just end up delivering power to your local neighbors but so i don't know if you caught any of this conversation yet but you're talking to two potentially libertarian slash conservative people <laughs> that actually believe in renewable energy can yeah. you believe it yeah yeah like seriously there's nothing wrong with renewable energy because it works it does. when it's in the right conditions in the right conditions but here's yeah. here's the whole point why i wanted to bring up this story is i the politicizing of this story you know i know that the whole whole point of this segment that we do is uh discussing political and you know ethical and you know all the check boxes are checked off but this is one of those stories where quite frankly the media should just reported it as it is and shut up about the rest of it talking about ted cruz's cancun trip. exactly now should he have taken a trip in light of this me personally, if I was in charge of an entire state to some regards, I don't think I would have. I would have sent my family for sure. Yeah, but at the same point, you know, he has a responsibility at least to be physically present, yep. you know, to show that there's some sense of leadership going on in this situation. And not only that, but it's this, it's it's the um, the uh, general going into battle with his troops exactly. kind of mentality. Exactly. If you can't lead from behind. You can't lead from, you can't, you can't go to paradise yes and then talk to people in frigid temperatures about how they need to how they need to bear with it for a little bit however if anyone else in texas you're telling me anyone anyone with the ability to do so did that they left don't don't mistake it any any private citizen in texas that had the ability to do so is not there they're in their they're in their vacation homes in other places well, what we're not looking at is that this this has affected a good part of the state, but not everywhere in yeah. the state. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about a state that's larger than most of the European oh, Union. Sure. So, yeah. I mean, so I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, geography that we're talking about. You know, some places were barely even touched with some of the effects of the storm. Sure, and then some people have been without power for weeks. Exactly. So, I'm, so. what was the one? Uh, the one borough, a township that they actually issued a boil water. A couple uh, of them, but yeah, it's it's in the in the. Uh, I don't know what county it was, but the the advise the boil advisories are still in effect, and that's that's when the federal government decided they were going to step in, because we all know when when things get bad, you really want the government to step in. Yeah, you know, that's, well, that's what helps because they're the ones that let things go to pot to begin with. Yeah, what was it that Reagan said? The seven most the seven most scary words are we're here to help well, I, yeah i'm i'm with the government and we're here to help exactly. it's like no thanks <laughs> yeah i'm fine i'm fine thanks. you know i i was halfway hoping that you know like jim abbott or what, what's his first name uh governor abbott 
Oh, Tim? Uh, Tim. 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 I was halfway hoping, halfway hoping in, in my gut of guts that he would just say, hold my beer. Yeah. And, you know, watch us survive. Watch us get over this. Now, granted, you know, that would be uh, on par with Mr. Mayor that decided yeah. to uh, yeah. ridicule Whew. half the half his constituents Ooh, or boy. 90% of his constituents. But, you know, it's just that, you know... I, I am a firm believer in state's autonomy. I'm a firm believer in a state's ability to exist on its own, even though it's part of the U.S., because yep. it's it's an identity crisis when we start to uh, watch states slowly uh, dissolve into a federal union to the point to where they don't have an individual standpoint or yeah, voice. don't have an identity. And these, these are the big things that need to be looked at, is that, you know, at, you know I get that it's a great thing that when something massive like Katrina happens, even though it was still our fault that it happened, when something like Katrina happens, that the the states do get involved. Mm -hmm. But if you look at it, when you look at the overall history of that entire occurrence, you'll see that there was a lot of private and public industry that got hands, you know, hands dirty, feet on the ground, busy working money, you know, the whole nine uh, that they threw into that mix to get people back up on their feet. Because it was it was gross that people were stuck in stadiums for what? How long was it? I days, can't, months. Uh, it, I think it was 30, 30 days or two months or something. Before like that. they actually they were, sent those, they, and they had those. I, I know for a fact because I had family that worked in, were in the National Guard, and they keep in most boroughs they keep these uh, amphibian amphibious vehicles that are available for the. You know, it's like when we had the flood back in two thousand eleven. Yeah, yep. They, they were the National Guard was out in those vehicles rescuing people that were floating on their homes yep. down the Susquehanna or you know various tributaries and such I n- not to dig, not to pull away from what we're talking about but at the same time you know it just goes to show that at some point states need to be able to stand on their own two feet with sure. these regards yep and you can't wait for you, you need to be able to the, the reason why states and local governments are important is you need to be able to act now. Uh, local governments need to have the ability to act now and then and then get backed up by the states. Exactly. And states need to be able to act now and then get backed up by the federal government. Yeah. You 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 don't want to sit around and wait for the federal government to help you out. You need to have and this is a great point just for just for every everyday conservatism. This is this is this is what we at least what I uh, base my entire belief system on is you need to be able to act when it's time. Um, that's why I own a firearm because police respond in minutes when seconds count. Yes. Um, so that's why I own a firearm. That's why I call the FBI because I know it's going to take them six days to get there. <laughs> yeah. This is this is why I have um, a, a, an emergency food ration exactly because you never know when the power is going to go out this is why we have a generator this is why we we think of all these things this is why we have fuel stores we have fuel set aside for the generator because what goods a generator if you don't have fuel to run it so we have fuel set aside just for the generator so we have all of these systems in place where in 2011 when the power went out we were living fine we 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 ran our house off the generator um, we we kept all of our food in the freezers. We had everything we needed. We had everything we needed. Yeah. Uh, you know, when before we got the generator running, we went a couple days without power, just because you know it might come back on. Um, we flushed the toilet with with um, 
water from a pump well down on, down at the farmhouse. We would pump pump water out of the the old hand hand pumps into buckets, and we would flush the toilets with that. And then that's how we got Sometimes it. Sometimes old is better. It's what I'm saying. So you 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 mock you mock the way that they used to live, but they survived. They survived. They lived. They did. I said this to Katie. Um, we were watching that show. I, I believe it's either on the History Channel or the Discovery Channel. That Mountain Men show, mm-hmm. where they live up in Alaska and stuff like that, and they they live off the land and they hunt for their food, and it's it's this big spectacle. I said a hundred years ago that was Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Like this, this is a big deal now because these five people are still living like that. But it wasn't but a hundred years ago that that's how everybody lived. It was, it was, king kings and kings and presidents and world leaders that live the way that everybody lives now. You know, with electricity and yeah. plumbing and all of these creature comforts that we've become accustomed to, we live like kings in this country. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that uh, over the I, I I couldn't even put a time frame on it as to when our mentality around this changed because I mean somebody that studies this kind of stuff would have to speak to it. But um, we try to I mean quite literally as a culture anymore we try to cancel out risk. Mm-hmm. We do. I mean, if you think about it, think about what companies make money despite good or bad. Yeah. Insurance agencies. Sure. Now I'm, now, I'm not saying anything bad about insurance. You know, insurance is there for a reason. They, they're a capitalistic institution that makes money off of betting on circumstances, acts yep. of God and so forth. But, you know, at the same time, you know, if we look at it from the perspective of self-preparedness and you know, being able to stand on your own two feet and being on t- an autonomous individual that has individual rights. And, you know, you need to be able to back up those rights with a little bit of, okay, I'm going to get my hands dirty. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get my feet dirty. I'm not afraid to work uh, to get to a certain point. So, and I think that's where a lot of this is gone. Um, and kind of to backtrack a little bit to something that you had said in the first segment uh, with regards to trying to establish equality and equity. Yes. Um, one of the things that people don't understand with regards to those two words is that they are mutually opposite. They are. They are. N- they have nothing to do with each other. Equality is saying that you have the same rights as every other person. Equity says that you have the same things that everybody else does. Yeah. And that is not inclusive of rights. Equity says that because you have a Mercedes, then you too need a Mercedes. Equity says that because you have a uh, $750,000 or $700,000 home, you have a $700,000 home. And that's that's what equity is. Equity is is a socialistic statement. Uh, And it's something that, you know, equity only ever leaves the cream to rise to the top. And when you think about it in communistic societies, the only cream that ever rose to the top were the oligarchs. So if you study Russian history, you'll understand is that they they were an ideal communistic, socialistic society, but the people that only ever rose to the top were the oligarchs, were the people that had money, were the people that made money off of what everybody else was unable to do because the society said that you were restricted with insert. Doctors made as much as farmers, farmers made as much as, and you know, there, there is no, you know, from a utopian standpoint, you know, Pluto and utopianism and all that kind of stuff. When you start to read into that, I mean, yeah, it's a beautiful ideal. It's, it's beautiful, great. but it's impractical. It's impossible. It's impossible. Uh, read some William James about 
uh, what what is uh, pragmatic and what is not pragmatic. You know, when you start getting into the understanding of pragmatism, there are some things that work and some things that don't, yeah. and this is one of those things. It's not because we hate socialists yeah. and we hate their ideals. I understand you want a perfect world where everybody can live in perfect harmony and equality. We all want that. I, I don't want to have to worry about carrying... Uh, having personal firearm on my being. I don't I want to live in a world where, you know, you don't have to walk around the corner with fear of somebody jumping you or whatever yeah. the case. I think a lot of times we overstate the reasons for why people do what they do. You know, it's like because you believe in hunting, suddenly you believe that you you have the right to go out and shoot every animal on God's green earth. It's a you huge know. misconception. Yes. And in fact, most hunters are conservationists. Absolutely. Uh, they believe more in the preservation of an environment than they do the destruction of an environment. Because I would, I would pass on, I would pass on three three young deer, uh, in order to find an older deer, uh, to to harvest because it's better for the herd. It all in all, um, if you're if you're a true hunter. Um, then you don't want to just go out and kill every animal or else you'll have nothing left to hunt. Yeah, I mean, we're not Teddy Roosevelt's running around like yeah. that just kill everything. Just truth, be, truth be told, Teddy Roosevelt is the is the father of modern conservatism. Or, or Conservation. Conservationism, I guess, is the best way to put it. Um, is, you know, um, and it goes back to that. Uh, he, he dedicated more land to preservation and things like that, but he did kill a lot of crap. <laughs> well, I but, even think of like Franklin D. Roosevelt. Yeah. You know, even though he kind of set the standard for this is not how many presidential terms you should ever have or allow anybody to have, even yeah. though he set that standard, the fact is, is that during that time was the Dust Bowl crisis. Mm -hmm. So you had everybody south of, uh, I, I'm going to say like, the hemispheric separation between north and south, I guess you would say. I don't say. think it was the Mason-Dixon line. But no, was, I was about to say that, but, yeah, I, but it was, that, yeah. that's more political, geopolitical. Yeah, geopolitical, yeah. Um, but anyways, point being is that, uh, you know, he, he, he was one of the most noted conservationists because they planted, I forget how many millions of trees along that line, which effectively ended the Dust Bowl crisis which was why trees, you know, play an important part oh, to the sure. ecosphere. So, I mean, as a result of that work, you know. Well, because the trees break the wind. And, I do too, and, <laughs> but and that's a different. <laughs> the trees break the wind, and then um, that, which in turn causes storms to stall, and and build, and then you get rain, uh, which is you know. So, yeah. Um, one thing that I wanted to, to, to point out, um, you mentioned the equity and equality. Just a little eighth grade uh, nugget that popped out. My eco economy teacher, economics teacher, pointed out um, equality is, uh, you think about it like an Olympic marathon. Equality is everyone starts at the starting line. And whoever's the fastest, whoever's the best, whoever is you know works the hardest is the one that comes in first place and then second place third place and and that's how you measure it equity is everybody starts wherever and you all get first place there's no participation awards yeah there's no yeah. judgment for you could have you could have started 3 feet from the from the finish line but you get first place and then somebody who 
did all the work, exercised, uh, stretched, uh, ran, you know, put on their good shoes, so on and so forth, and started at the starting line, followed all the rules, ran as hard as they could, and, and put in all the work, still ends up at the same place as the guy that just showed up and walked. Well, you know what's interesting with regards to that? If, if you're somebody that holds on to, um, if you look at the evolution of a species, let's say that, if you look at the evolution of a species, the, the prime starting point for everybody is that they're here at the bottom mm-hmm. and that they're rising to the top. Yes. That's, that's, that's the, the most basic yeah. first grade understanding of what, what, what the progress of a people looks like. Yep. So if that is taken into account, then you should never want to institute some, some false overlay of equity that in the grand scheme of things doesn't make anybody equal. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not opposed to a welfare system that's there as a safety net. Exactly. Whereas, you know, somebody is loses their job. They've got a bunch of kids uh, through no fault of their own. The company just downsizes or something like that. You know, it's not right to let that family starve. No. Um, just because, but that doesn't. That also doesn't mean that becomes your new source of income. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, it's well. If you look at how Social Security came about, and this is its own conversation by its own, but Social Security was originally incepted to protect or be a net for the widows and the child, the fatherless, yes. the motherless. You know, um, the those that suffered specifically from World War II. Yeah. That was the whole premise of it. But then it graduated over years into this glorified savings account that yep. nobody actually ever collects what they put into it. No. Nope. I mean... You never get back what you put in. It, and it's, for some reason, it's become everybody's pocketbook. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you want to talk about everything. pork. Yeah. Pork, pork, you know, it might as well just call it the barbecue fund because that's all it consists of is Well, pork. Social Security worked, worked so well that it had a it had a massive surplus yeah and which was great we would have been able to fund social security indefinitely but then they started borrowing from it yes um, and not paying it back like they said they were going to do are um, you saying the government ruined something that was good <laughs> yeah, name me name one thing that the government that the government got involved with and made it better just give me one example that's all i'm asking air conditioning <laughs> I, I don't I don't have a good answer. Yeah, there's there's nothing. There's nothing. Maybe not even NASA cuz what Elon Musk is doing with SpaceX makes NASA look like a third grade science project. Exactly. What was it? It was they, the challenge was to be able to build a shuttle that was under a certain price point. Under um, a certain price point. Not only did he do that. Not only did he did he come in under budget, but he made he made the the um, stages reusable. Before, when you would build a rocket, that when NASA would build a rocket and you you dis, you you detached the stage, it was just gone. And then you, when you build another rocket, you just built all new stages. Elon Musk made it so that the stages landed on platforms and came back to Earth, and then you could reuse them again, charge them back up, and reuse them. That's called sustainability. That's called capitalism. <laughs> That's called the private industry being able to do things the government can't. I feel like you should play that uh, clip at the beginning. Have you ever watched the newsroom? 
the HBO special oh, with yeah. uh, Jeff, Jeff Jeff Daniels. That, the most honest two minutes in television. Oh my gosh! I, I'll tell you. I don't know I what was, you're talking about, Yosemite. I don't. I don't cry over very much, but this was one of those situations where I was just like, "Holy crap! He should be president. He should be." If this was an actual yeah. person that believed those set, sets of standards, yep. you know, that would be like the quintessential presidential. Uh, speech. But Maybe we'll play that next episode. We'll, we'll, that would be we'll awesome. cue that yeah. up and, and play that two minutes because it really is honest. I, I just love at the end when you, I don't know what you're talking about, Yosemite? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and the whole room is just dead silent. I think he said something about the Lakers at one point. Yep, or yep. And it's, it's, and he just hits the nail, hits the nail on the head. We're the 37th in education. We're, last and whatever it is he just goes off on a tirade and it's perfect it's and it wasn't perfect. i mean it was not it was it was fictional non-fiction yeah it was is the best way i can explain it it, it because was it was it was uh, a, a very good blend of uh reality and non-reality well i think uh i think that's we could probably wrap it up uh, for the week, uh, maybe we'll we'll talk about that next time. We'll we'll cue that up. We'll talk about. Uh, we'll just play that segment from the newsroom, um, and just discuss that. Uh, hopefully, Scott feels better um, by next week, and he can join us again. Um, we'd like to uh, reach reach out to Jesse um, and see if maybe Jesse wants to come back and do an episode. That'd uh, be cool to get all four of us. Um, we need some people to tell us that we're wrong yeah, every so often. Just to just to have um, an opposite. I think that's why I got married. Yeah, yeah. I need <laughs> to be, I need to be taken down a peg a time or two. Um, but at any rate, um, I hope everyone has a good week. Um, it seems like things are kind of leveled out as far as uh, the political tension it's still there it's still palpable but i don't i don't necessarily see the riots every day on the news i'm not saying that they're still not happening but it seems like things are kind of well i think we're I, not for anything but we might be actually getting to the business of things to some small measure yeah however you know that's that's its own <laughs> yeah. animal in and of itself but we'll get to that. Uh, another yeah. thing next next week i want to talk about uh, biden finally made a uh, finally made a public appearance um, just prove just to prove he's still alive um, they hang them over the banister like Michael Jackson <laughs> yeah with a thing <laughs> <laughs> had him on strings like like weekend at Bernie's or, just... or like the uh, original uh, backstreet no not backstreet boys in sync in sync yeah yeah but at any rate um, I hope everyone has a great week we'll come back and we'll talk about some more stuff hopefully we have Scott with us next week um, until then, um, to borrow a line from Jerry Springer, everyone be good to yourselves and each other. Peace. <laughs>